the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. It's that time again. It's that right time of the week. For the Worldview Media Podcast. How long you been waiting for this? Well, it paid off. Because here we are. We are your sunshine? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> My only sunshine. Alright, y'all. Here we are. We are on remote location at the apartment of our middle daughter, Jordan. Hello. And it's her birthday. Yay! Oh. And we're celebrating her birthday by making her do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We can write it off as a business trip. (laughs) (laughs) We should add something more expensive for lunch. All right. Well, here we are. We're in Las Vegas, New Mexico. And you will hear traffic noise right outside the window. Yeah, my neighbor's yelling, maybe, possibly. It's always a... Ooh, you never know. The drama. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what are we talking about this week? What are we talking about this week? Anybody know? (laughs) Did did anybody watch the movie? (laughs) What? I thought we were just, like, talking this week. (laughs) Saying happy birthday, Jordan. (laughs) We are talking about Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Which version? The Kiera Knightley. The 2005. The, the most recent. Kiera Knightley and what's his name? Matthew McFadden version. Yes. McFadden, McFadden, I don't know. Who knows? No one. And so. Mr. Darcy. <laughs> it is kind of good that this is your birthday because this is like one of your favorite movies, right? Yeah, it's right up there. Okay. Well, even Carmen was telling me, you know, out of all that type of stuff, that this was her favorite one, too. Right. And Reagan, whoever knows if she watches anything that we see as a family. So. Right. <laughs> she uh, watches her own things in her head, so. Yeah, that's true enough. <laughs> when Reagan was little, how old was she when she was streaming like that? Uh, in her Barbie. Barbie radio? No, she was, she was actually in her room watching like that. Psycho TV show? What was that? Like oh, Norman the Bates, Bates Motel. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she was like 12 or something, <laughs> like 13. It was, I know it was like the year before she discovered Dylan O'Brien. Oh. Um, and then everything, nothing mattered after Everything that. changed. <laughs> her life has never been the same. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm better with her stalking Dylan O'Brien than I am with her watching like psychopathic bloody <laughs> slasher movies. Well, I don't think that Bates Motel was... Yeah, it was more about the suspense. Yeah. I mean, there were murders. Sure, but, you know. <laughs> but that's <was> TV. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all TV. That's not real life. <laughs> and it was shocking when I found out she was doing that. And it wasn't like she was trying to hide it or either. She yeah, was, she would talk about it. And she like, didn't feel like it was worthy of telling anybody. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you're watching this show? 
No, I think I knew she was watching it, and I just thought, well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought too. I was a little shocked. Well, she's. But you know, she does love the serial killers. <laughs> she loves serial killers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know. She loves the true crime stories. Yeah, the drama. And the then mystery. they they freak her out. <laughs> yeah. She's convinced she's going to be a victim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't watch most of those shows anymore now that I'm like living by, living by myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, walking back and forth. Yeah, walking back and forth in the dark. Because <laughs> I used to, I you know, I maybe would have watched like Criminal Minds or something, yeah. you know, just because like, oh, that's that's a good time Interesting. or whatever. Yeah. Like, but uh, ooh, can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear that, right? <laughs> All right, so Pride and Prejudice, one of Jordan's favorite movies. Why do you like this movie so much? Just tell why this is a great movie. Uh, okay. Well, I think it's a it's a classic story, you know. Yeah. Uh, because it's based on uh the book of the same name, obviously, by uh Austin. Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh it's a nice, it's a well told little tale of of uh miscommunication miscommunication yeah. and, and missed uh oh, prompts with what's going on i don't know what's wrong with you first yeah yeah and first impressions and miscues and uh yeah and obviously pride and prejudice oh yeah that comes into play and lots of different people and lots of yeah that's true and then um the characters are really fun yeah lots of really funny distinct characters like her crazy mom and then her sort of equally crazy but in a whole other way dad yeah and then the sisters and then her crazy sisters all of them are different (laughs) (laughs) and uh and dreadful cousins oh well sure and i and the music is really nice and i like the costuming Mm -hmm. and the the cinematography and just all comes together very well yes it's it's really it was really well made did you feel that way about the casting? Did everybody meet up with the way you felt like they should be? Uh, I guess I'm saying the only guy that I felt was not cast super well is uh, Darcy. Oh, really? You, you like him as Darcy? I, I do like him as Darcy. I think most everybody does. Really? Well, yeah. he's a lot of people's second favorite Darcy because of that first one with, was it Colin Firth? or? Oh, yeah, probably so. But uh, uh, for a lot of people, Colin Firth is still the only... Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy. But I feel like he's really a pretty nice Mr. Darcy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I haven't seen the older version in a while, but I think there's a lot of differences with the family, mm. with the, just the way they present themselves and with, like, the costuming. And, yeah. But we can... Well, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. I... Stayed awake? <laughs> I've watched this a few times with you. <laughs> Jordan watched this like a million times, so I. And whenever it's on TV, it's usually on the channel Oxygen. If it's ever on, (laughs) we watch. That's where it goes. Yeah, that's that's where we are. We say, "Oh no, (laughs) let's cozy in." (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Mom got mad at me. I was dozing off during it. Oh, now he admits it. See, I don't think I ever actually went out, but Mom's convinced I missed half the movie. I don't. I don't really think that I did. <laughs> well, all right. Because I feel like I know the plot better now than I have after all those other times of watching oh. it. 
Okay. Because I was about like, it? I gotta pay attention this time. <laughs> I'm supposed to podcast about this. I sure. <laughs> uh, the casting that I did like was the guy that played Mr. Collins. Oh yeah. Because that, he manages really to just uh, hit the right notes yeah. and yeah. in terms he of he elevates the character to. He's just kind of a brown nosing yeah. little man. Yeah. And uh, with no actual soul. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So he was good. Although, he's not my favorite bad pastor in that, <laughs> in that uh, genre. In the PBS series Poldark. Oh, yeah. Do you know that guy? The pastor that's in Poldark? Uh, Man, that guy is a greasy looking I've probably, slime ball. He's not had a whole lot of coverage. He turns out to be a real perv. I'm not all caught up on... He doesn't stand out on my Well, I'm just saying he's a better bad pastor than this okay. other guy. But this guy well, checked it, all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't think... Well, but this is for later. Yeah. We'll talk about And that. from what I remember of that other one with Colin Firth, I like this this Mr. Collins better than the Mr. Collins in that one, from from just what I yeah. recall. This this guy is, is the better Mr. Collins, hands down, I think. And then don't you wonder about the actors involved when so much of the dialogue is about, yes, this girl is prettier than this one here. And, <laughs> And what if you get cast as the less pretty sister and stuff like that? Does that haunt you? <laughs> Are you glad you landed that role? I mean... I'm the ugly one. The <laughs> homely girl. Hand. That's me. Yeah. The, I play the I'm the one girl. with not many prospects because of how homely I am. Uh, well, or, I mean... Or you get cast as this perv. I think, you know, you know, I like, think as an actor, you have to be really aware of... <laughs> Of the type of vibe that you are able to bring to <laughs> well, a character. Like, right. For some actors as well, it's a challenge to want to play those more difficult parts. Yeah. And kind of fit into that. Maybe because so. I, I feel like surely no one is more hyper aware of what they actually look like than an actor whose whole job is to be yeah. filmed and... And, and, and be made up stuff. and yeah. floss covered or this and that. And oh, well, let's yeah. shoot it from this angle because that's more flattering or... yeah. Actors and probably models have to be more like conscious of those but things. But do they have to have a realistic image of themselves? Or do they have to be just a little inflated so it fills them with confidence and stuff like that? I think it would be hard because everybody's picking at anything. Yeah. Oh, you've gained too much weight and you haven't really gained anything. Or you've lost too much weight. Yeah, or you can't. We have to recast this role because you're getting too old now, and, yeah. and you can. I, you can't try for these parts anymore. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember, I don't know where she was talking, but I remember hearing Meryl Streep say something about how at one point in her career, she was getting, she was looking at all the scripts that she was getting, and she realized that like she had these five scripts, and they were all five parts for a witch, and she was like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> That things have changed. <laughs> sure, I've been a bad character, but <laughs> yeah, for like for like witches and old women, and she's yeah. like, oh well, haha, <laughs> 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 I have arrived. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think that's just part of of having a healthy perspective about yourself and your mortality, because. We are all aging, and we're all getting older, and um, 
some people get that and deal with it gracefully and some people try to cling and hold on to no I'm not this old <laughs> I'm gonna wear the trendy kid kid clothes and my hair will never have a gray streak in it and so yeah all right and so this movie features as a star Kira Knightley as young unmarried Elizabeth Bennett and well she's not really young well she is young probably what early 20s she's probably mid 20s about 21 or 22 maybe just 20 but in the movie is her character that old well no that's about how old elizabeth is supposed to be that's what i was thinking probably kira knightley is a little older than that playing the role all right and what would you say she's not really bucking the system so much it's like she accepts what the system is, where she needs to find a husband. And, right. And given the right husband, she would be excited about it and happy. Yeah. But she does seem to kind of be bucking the system in terms of setting her standards higher than most people would or something like that. Or having a narrow definition of what she would be willing to That's probably pursue true. or something. She's probably kind of picky whereas I feel like more picky yeah. uh, her sisters probably are very much less picky especially the younger sisters yeah so Elizabeth is maybe more independent minded is that how you would I think that's the typical interpretation of her okay. character right. yeah. yeah but she's not really trying to break out no of... she I feel like she's pretty comfortable with the whole idea of like okay yeah I have to go and get married and all of that stuff but she's wanting a specific type of thing right. that has not presented itself. And she's willing to wait on yeah. that. Or she's not worried about like dice. becoming an old maid or something and yeah. if that were to happen she's like well hey that's what happens then. <laughs> yeah. Right. <clears throat> okay anything else we need to say about this movie in terms of general? Well I think Jordan and I both give it a Solid A. <laughs> solid A. Yeah, solid A. It's not an A plus? I thought this was your favorite movie. Oh, well, it is a favorite movie of mine. So A plus. Well, in my class that I'm teaching, I'm not doing pluses or minuses. It's just solid. It's just A's, B's, C's. Or, you know, or, too bad. Or too oh, bad. <laughs> I guess I would what give are it... You, are you big time in this here? You've, you've grown out of pluses and minuses. <laughs> I it's only good in all the that. little people use pluses and minuses. <laughs> well, you some know. places it doesn't matter what your average is. It's an A. Yeah. Which is kind of sad for those of us who uh, exceed <laughs> just the regular A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I yeah, I guess it would be an A plus. As you do in every area of life. <laughs> I never said me. You said those of us. <laughs> right. Like Jordan. <laughs> but us <laughs> is inclusive. <laughs> like your father. <laughs> All right, so not your father. <laughs> I would give it an A plus. Yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. So it checked all the boxes for you then. Yeah. All right. And you're a solid A, you're an A+. Plus. It's a high A. 
if I had to sit and watch a chick flick, and sometimes I have to. <laughs> this is this is uh, not terrible. No, not terrible. It's, it's good. It's perfectly fine. That's, what? Not terrible. Good. Perfectly it's fine. Wholly adequate. <laughs> wholly adequate. <Captain. laughs> is that a C for wholly adequate? <laughs> yeah, or C fine plus. is a B or C plus. Oh, you didn't like the cinematography, the costuming. It was pretty. The music. It was pretty. The music is very good. The movie's a C plus. <laughs> <laughs> it's less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> well, some people would stay awake and actually watch the whole movie. Well, see, that's their fault. They weren't able to hold my interest. <laughs> No, I think oh, that's yeah. your fault because you were sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> I must watch standing up. <laughs> All right. Well, if that's it, then we will take our break and move along to the really meaty part of the show where we will talk about what do we talk about? Meaning, messages, morals. Yeah. I almost ripped that off from somebody. Sounded good, though. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back in just a bit. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. Here we are back at the Worldview Media Speedway and International <laughs> Freeway Hub. <laughs> what? <laughs> The racetrack? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the Autobahn goes right under the apartment. <laughs> well. Uh. And I'm just happy for the freedom. These guys just open it wide and go. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing jerky about that at all. Uh. Alright, so we're talking about Pride and Prejudice. We're talking about worldview issues underlying thematic messages mm -hmm. yeah. everything is preaching to you all the time all the time and now what is pride and prejudice mm. preaching to you <laughs> well, what did it preach to you i go last i get to ask the question <laughs> uh. so give me a theme i think if you just look at the status of women in this and the time and you really 
had no options. You were to be married or you were to be a burden. And either way, you're kind of a burden. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You're either a burden to the man you married or you're you just a hope that you marry a, someone who can who's good, you know, good for it, who can yeah. who can who carry that. enough pounds of Yeah. Yeah. And so that was something that I think most parents now of of little girls don't view them in that way and I certainly think from a Christian perspective girls aren't a a second-class citizen, they're not lesser than... Shouldn't be. Ideally, that would be true. Well, I think in God's perspective, <laughs> that's the case. Yeah, right. The reality of uh, the situations may be different, but that was something that really, and especially as a mom of three girls, um, you know, they have more options than what were available at that time. And sure, yeah, probably most people want to want to get married and have their own families and their own little households and set all that stuff up and that's fine and good but you don't have to do that you don't have to rely on somebody else to take care of you yeah I feel like the the thematic statement of the whole movie was the scene where Elizabeth is on the swing and her friend shows up yeah and Elizabeth has just turned down a marriage proposal from Reverend Collins. Yeah, the dreadful cousin. The dreadful Reverend Collins. <laughs> and and her friend is there to tell her that she's engaged to marry him now. Mm -hmm. So he got over the the disappointment of the no pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Moved on. Picked himself up. <laughs> right, dusted off. <laughs> now he's ready to go. And they're getting married. And uh, Lizzie was stunned and mortified to hear that she's actually going to marry this guy. Mm -hmm. And her response was, no, you don't get to judge me because you don't understand, you don't understand how fearful I am and how terrifying it is for me and I'm out of options. And that just seemed to be kind of a thematic thing for me in terms of dealing with the status of women in this story that a lot of what they were doing was motivated by fear. No, not all of it was, though. I mean, throughout the movie, the Bennett women uh -huh. are pictured enthusiastically moving forward in this process. Yeah. They know what the game is. They know what winning looks like. Yeah. And they're going to... They got all the moves. <laughs> and they're happy to participate. Yeah. And uh, now I think one thing for me was that Mrs. Bennett gets, mm. she's obviously a comic foil and she's there for comic relief and we laugh at her. Yeah. But honestly, if you're in that situation and you've got those five daughters whose only hope is to marry a rich guy. Yeah. Well, it's to be married, period. Yeah. Hopefully, well. Hopefully, yeah. a rich guy. And then you can understand her fanaticism yeah. in the whole thing and who would not be that kind of fanatic if that's really what the game is yeah you know? yeah so well, i feel like with the, with the mom i think she's kind of let down her job with her daughters because they didn't have a governess they she didn't spend any time with them working on 
uh, the social lady skills things. and you know how to behave properly. Yeah, they've never a attended thing. a season yeah. or anything. You know, they don't go to town. They don't. Uh, they don't draw. They don't. They don't do a lot of things. And she's the lady of the manor, but she's not doing. She's not doing anything. You know, none of them are doing anything. She's not giving them the advantages. Yes, that they should. Especially with the status that they have, you know, they're not having to go out and work and take care of things and bring, you know, to provide for themselves. So they, um, I really felt like the mom was not a good example for them either. Yeah. You know, when the officers were coming to town yeah. and they're just all, ooh, the officers and the mom's hopping right in with all that and right. being more of a, of a compatriot <laughs> than as a, as a guide and someone to help them where they are having issues where they've got faults and helping to strengthen those things and you know that she just um, that wasn't her yeah she wanted them to get married and she wanted them to have a good home but I didn't see her you don't see her actively helping them to do that right right well there was another <clears throat> another illustration of the bad status of women there is just what you were talking about about in this movie, the commonly accepted uh, activities that a young woman needed to be competent at. Mm -hmm. And they all would fall on under the uh, category of making them better window dressing. You know, there's nothing terribly productive. Yeah. But they're going to make it maybe more pleasant to live in the house or. Yeah. Because they can play nice music or crochet neat things or, <laughs> yeah. or draw things that are neat to look at but it's all just that kind of thing yeah I mean I'm not well, denigrating art no I understand what you're saying but I think even in the process of learning those things and doing those things you learn some self-discipline well maybe you yeah. learn I've got to work harder at this I need to improve and uh, you do learn some things even through those well uh, sure but I'm, I'm saying that when that's the category you're expected to major in, that that's part of reinforcing this whole system. Yeah. Because the woman that's at, that's all she can do. She's going to have to find a man to support her. And then there is a place where Mrs. Bennett finds out one of her daughters has gotten engaged, and one of her exclamations of joy is, "We are saved!" <laughs> you know, yeah. we're marrying this guy who has some money. Uh -huh. That's going to be, you know, they're they're saved now because they're they've hooked onto this guy, and uh, it kind of makes the point that we've been making at Reconstructionist Radio for a long time. And that's that uh, it's easy and it's historically easy in the history of the world and especially pagan cultures to objectify women and make them things like window dressing and, and neat little man. toys yeah. that you collect or something like that. But in this movie, the, uh, even though that is clearly pictured, that's a thing. It goes the other way too, which yeah. we've also been trying to point out is that the women are involved in this. And just as much as the men are objectifying them, they are objectifying the men. And the men become targets. And yeah. They're not people anymore. Yeah, they're, they're, they're salaries and yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're opportunities. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Susanna Roundtree, had an awesome statement in one of the Monstrous Regiment shows. She said, uh, 
it's hard to be friends with people when you're trying to collect their heads <laughs> and talking about the fact that sometimes single Christian women are under so much pressure to find that man that they wind up kind of in the same position where now they're just casting about and maybe they're willing to start lowering their standards at some point just to take any guy that comes along and, and every man that they are introduced to who might be eligible he's not so much a person to get to know and be friends with but he's a potential target you know yeah. if not an actual target so I thought that was clear throughout the movie. You see that interchange or interplay between both sides, treating each other as objects and what can you do for me? Yeah. How can you advance my cause, whether you're male or female? I don't know if I really saw that so much from the daughters as I did the mom, looking at him as, oh, this is the one, he's gotta be here for one of my girls and it's gotta be this one because she's the oldest and she's the prettiest and I don't think um, that Jane. No, I think Jane really liked Bingley because he's of who he is. Yeah. it yeah. wasn't that you know had he not had all that money and she'd had all the opportunity. Yeah, to if he him. had been some like farmer boy or something, she still would have been like, oh hi. <laughs> <laughs> she still would have been okay with him. Yeah. Well, there were exceptions, but I'm thinking of that you scene know, where the um, armies, the militias, marching by and yeah. how giddy all the girls were. To, you yeah. know, here's a. It's like it's it's raining men. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, uh, let's see. Any other thematic things or issues provoke your thinking here? I thought it was interesting that these people are making exclamations of love. I love you when. They, what did they know about this other person? How did they know them? What, what were they basing their, I want to marry you thing about? Because they really, you don't see them doing a lot of interaction. You see them like dancing and well, you're pretty and you're cute, but there's, I don't know what all that was really based on. Yeah. So it was interesting, especially between uh, Darcy and Elizabeth, because he just really seems to find everybody in contempt and maybe that's just he never had any social training <laughs> he's to know he's how to a little behave. awkward <laughs> you know i don't know right. because he to look at him i mean he, he didn't smile yeah he wasn't he uh, comes off real austere and yeah, sour he wasn't engaging with people he wasn't talking to anybody he's kind of closed off and self-contained and i'm here but i'm i'm here and you all are here with me, but I'm alone pretty much, and I'm okay with that because I don't know you. And, uh, you know, it's like Elizabeth says, oh, and you can't talk to somebody at a dance to get to know them, you know. So I think it's easy going into situations where you feel uncomfortable to remain closed off, and you really need to, to practice overcoming those things. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have somebody being murdered outside, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can't watch anything here. <laughs> can't even look outside. Uh, don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Y'all probably have seen this and thought about it more than me. Maybe you can recall it. I'm hoping you can, or this bit of time is going to be really bad radio. Worse <laughs> than normal. 
<laughs> There's a scene at at one of the dances that they're at uh-huh. where it's still when uh, Darcy and Lizzie don't really like each other very much, mm-hmm. and they're verbally jousting. Yeah. And Lizzie has a hot take that poetry can be very damaging to love. Oh yeah. And because he, it'll just he's use like, up well, everything. see, that's what I want to ask you about because I'm not sure I understood her point. And Darcy was like, "Oh, I thought poetry was the wellspring of love. Yeah, add a great fuel to love." Yeah. And she's like, "No, it'll, it'll kill it." Well, she says only if it's a good stout love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so explain to me what her take was. How does how is poetry dangerous to love? Well, at least in her view. I think she was going for something like if cuz i think she says something if it's like a faint inclination and you write all this poetry about it then like well that was just about all it had in it was just enough to write these poems <laughs> and now that the poems are done it's like well that was it <laughs> i guess i got it all down on paper and, and I'm it's done. over now <laughs> yeah. that's how i always understood what she was talking about cuz then if but if you were in the fine stout love then you yeah. had plenty of love to be like thinking about and exploring in different ways with well, the poetry. Well, and sometimes that poetry can just be really silly, you know. Yeah. It can just be really, uh, you know. I just think of the song for Harry when he's getting oh. his Valentine, and it's, you know, it's yeah. expressing stuff, but it's just it's very silly things and not very. Uh, yeah. There's not much depth to them. And then it's real I guess shallow. the other side of that is that not even for, just for the person who writes the the poetry based on like not really enough of a of a thing like the person who receives that poetry if they were like thinking oh yeah I could maybe like you but then they get this poem and it's just kind of silly and stuff and then they're like well come on that was (laughs) was a good idea it kind of spoils the giver (laughs) in the eyes of the receiver a little bit because they're like oh that that was stupid (laughs) I can never think of you the same way again (laughs) yeah I think that's so I think those are the the two sides of that of that uh equation yeah okay well then it reminds me of a song that was popular years ago and I don't know if you'll remember it but it used to be played so often that it was just sickening it's Delilah oh yeah do you remember that song yeah I know and that everybody song. was so impressed with what a amazing just simple but very romantic love song this was where the guy was singing to Delilah and about how they Love would change the world, just their love and Uh stuff like that. And then the only time I ever saw him interviewed is he had already broken up with that girl. Well, I I heard a crazy story (laughs) about that song where it was like he had met her while he was on a trip somewhere and they had spent a little time together. But then it turned out he tried to get in contact with her later and she was like married and <laughs> and I I don't know it was this whole crazy thing and she and she like wanted to sue him for writing and publishing this song because it's like now everybody knows and it's just that's kind of crazy it was it was a whole crazy thing huh well and so now anytime somebody does play that song again you can't help but hear the end of the story you yeah. know in your head and and now the song is just stupid. Yeah. Well, it was stupid to begin with. I never, I always hated it, but. <laughs> uh-huh. 
but to hear the rest of the story means you can never just enjoy that song again. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it's the been, kind of it's point? It's been being ruined made? by. Uh, well, I think if if you look at a lot of lyricists, they're just snapshots of a time, the same way with a photograph. So if you had a photograph of you with this person, then what you're just gonna burn it or cut them out of the picture because. I mean, that's just kind of silly. Yeah, right. Like the moment is still what it was. Yeah, and so it, maybe it didn't work out the way you thought, but it's still a moment and it's still something obviously she remembers as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I, I, think, I think that's a little too much. Well, during the Enlightenment, uh, Neoplatonism was revived and the... Uh, the Plato folks never quite knew how to deal with women and they never dealt with them well and they generally always treated them like property and and at the at the worst it was you needed a wife in order to bear your children but you know in in the extreme examples you need a wife to bear your children but if you're just wanting to have some good sex then what you need is a a young man and or a mistress or something like that and that all stems from the root of this pagan philosophy and and i think you see remains of that in that period of time and the world that jane austen is reflecting she didn't create that world so much as just yeah that's just what she talk about yeah. it and uh but there's neoplatonic uh false views of women unbiblical views of women throughout and the sad thing is most of the women that were buying into it mm -hmm. they just accepted it as this is the way it well, is well if your culture tells you this is the way things are and most people say well i guess that's the way things are yeah and that's still <clears throat> it still works that way because as reconstructionist radio has been uh trying to fight the good fight and promote equality biblical equality and get rid of unbiblical views of patriarchy and stuff like that uh it's as many women fighting against that as men and uh it's kind of been educational to watch some of that happen. yeah and these are women who generally have orthodox views on everything and are on the right side of the ethical judicial line in things like abortion and homosexuality or immigration but suddenly when it comes to them needing to obey their husbands like they're rulers of the household suddenly they've bought into the line that yeah that's that's right that's what I do and, and it's dangerous for y'all to be talking about what this horror men and women being equal partners how can you, <laughs> you know, oh my <laughs> Equality for us would be a step up for me. I'm telling you. <laughs> I was thinking, hmm, equality. <laughs> yeah. A new concept. Don't, don't be getting any big ideas, smart boy. <laughs> know your place, man. <laughs> All right. Any other damage we can do on this topic? Or... What's going on? Uh, I think if you just look at the family, that they're really, 
I don't know how traditional they are for their time period. I don't think that they I are. I think they're an eccentric family. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah. they're That's right. And I think that normal. is on purpose. Yeah. Russ Dooney has pointed out several times that in <laughs> cultures like that, it's almost always true that the lower classes and the poorer people maintain better standards of morality than the aristocracy and the, yeah. and the landed classes and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's really as people aspire to rise up and be, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna transcend my current class and move up the social ladder, they start to see what the people at the top are doing and it winds up corrupting their own morals down here. And yeah. Apparently there was a time when drunkenness among the lower classes was pretty rare, mm-hmm. but it became a thing to see... It was just a thing that everybody understood is that in the king's court where all the really important people were, they're just drunk all the time. They're just drinking and they don't ha- have to do anything. having sex parties all the time. And this is just what powerful people do. It's what important people do is just drink to excess and, and the sex stuff and all of that. And, and so people who are aspiring to improve their own lot in life, suddenly that's part of that. We got to, you know... Rust Union points out there used to be this slang term that was common about being drunk as a lord. Yeah. And uh, and that's where that came from. Where the, yeah, look at me, I'm a big man because yeah, I got drunk like a lord. You know? Yeah. And, well, but the Bennett family is, I think they're, they're in good standing in their community. They're an elevated yeah, family. They're, they're I have not. a feeling their situation was that they were probably surviving more on reputation than on actual wealth like maybe their wealth had been slowly diminished or something yeah i kind of get that they were a respectable old house or old family but yeah it's all going away yeah because they do have like a cook and they have a couple of maids and uh yeah there's not a big pretense about this is you know i think the girls dresses they're nice but they're plain yeah they're they're not threadbare, but they're... They're not the latest fashions. Yeah. yeah. Y'all said you liked all the casting and all the characters and stuff, but... And I know this is the wrong section to talk about this, but... I could not stand the giggling little sisters. Oh, that's yeah. the whole point of them, No, though. but I, I hate them. <laughs> any scene that they're in, I think they ruin the scene. And they're too much, and... I was, was noticing, especially at the yeah. first, that any scene that they're in, I can't hear what they're saying, I can't hear what anybody else is saying, and they're just constantly got this fingernails on chalkboard sort of laughing going yeah. on all the time. Yeah, I really hated that. True. I thought that was a bad choice. Unless you're not just making irritating characters, you're making an irritating movie at some point because of these <laughs> characters. You know? uh, well... I guess I could see that. <laughs> see, but some parent should have done something somewhere along the line. <laughs> right. For them to get to that point and still be like that. Yep. <sighs> Failure of parenting there. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, I still like it. I like it as, I think it's a good movie. Uh, there's no extreme profanities. There's no... Uh, there's no nudity. Yeah, or, there's yeah. no A couple violence. of paintings, though, that are prominent. Oh, yeah, the classic art. <laughs> yeah, and the sculptures. Yeah. <laughs> Look out for the art. Watch out for those 
those nude marble sculptures. <laughs> but, you know, there is, I guess there is some nudity. But they're not real people, so maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but it has a nice end. What does the nude sculpture? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they'll have to decide for themselves. <laughs> well, you could say that it was pretty uh, well sculpted. <laughs> the movie. Has a nice <laughs> uh, All right. Well, surprisingly uh, well for a family that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it'll work out okay for us. Too. Yeah, it gives us hope. <laughs> Uh, All right, very good. Well, Jordan, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. This is the last time we'll talk about a movie that you like. All right. <laughs> Till your birthday next year. <laughs> we'll be back. All right, we'll see y'all. Until next time, three, two, one, Dominion Oh, oh do it again. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I was like, what is it? I'm not gonna what are we going to say? What are we going to say? Anything good in my life, y'all ruin. <laughs> look at the joy you give us. <laughs> All right, till next week, y'all. Three. <laughs> Come on. You know, you're gonna do the countdown. No, you do it. Three, two, one. Dominion. Dominion. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that was so lame. All right. <laughs> next time y'all bye thank you for listening to the worldview media podcast please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks <laughs>